The most valuable commodity on earth today is data. How we make it, use it, move it, and protect it. My name's David McCall. Join me today for the QTS experience. How's uh, my hair? It's, is it like sticking up right here? Or you know, this is, I'm not even counting us in now. That's how we're starting this show. How's my hair? <laughs> this is exactly how we're going to start it. Um, Derek Betcher, better known as Debo yeah. of Land Say Go. Welcome for coming on to uh, join me here on the QTS Experience podcast. This is, a, this is an unusual segment for me, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, for those of you who are fans of the show, also I produce the show. Um, I do all the editing and stuff, so uh, I, I work with Dave. And uh, not so much I, longer with that attitude. Uh, well, I, tell I, you I right know. Now. I know. Um, but no, I, I appreciate you coming, uh, having me come on, and and uh, yep. talk about something that is, I'm very passionate about, and I'm concerned about. <laughs> uh, pull you from behind the camera. So you and I have known each other two years now? Three. Three years? Yeah. Three years. And you'd think the most consistent thing we talk about during that time is children, which we both have. And you've had one um, added to your family since I got to know you. You'd think we talk about podcast production and whatever most of the time. But no, probably the thing that's most curious and interesting to me is this crazy addiction you have for games and people that have seen the studio, they know I'm a, I'm a big board game fan, but you're addicted to this game called magic, the gathering. And I wanted to have you come on the show and just talk to me and, and to our audience, because I'll, I, I'll bet you a, a significant portion. We're probably up to, I don't know, 8,000 listens on Spotify and episode now, but some of those are gamers, but a lot are business and tech people. And I'll, if they don't play it, they know somebody in their life. It's particular if they have kids that do or nephews or nieces or whatever. They have people in their life that do. What is this game called Magic the Gathering? Sure. So Magic the Gathering is a fantasy-based uh, trading card game, collectible card game, um, that was designed by a mathematician. Uh, his name is uh, Richard Garfield. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the first of its kind. So there have been a lot of uh, games that have come out um, since Magic's inception mm -hmm. um, that have kind of taken Magic's idea and, and uh, some at varying levels of success. You may have heard of Yu-Gi-Oh! You may have heard of Pokemon. Oh, Pokemon, um, yeah. Those are all modeled off of Magic the Gathering. Um, there's also a digital card game uh, called Hearthstone um, that was made by Blizzard uh, in World of Warcraft, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. And it has since broken off into its own thing, but they were, uh, the, the people who made that game loved Magic the Gathering so much that they wanted to make their own version of it that they could play digitally. And so they, they made Hearthstone, mm. and, which is actually one of the biggest competitors to Magic right now. I, what, what's the appeal? I mean, what, so when you say card game, yeah, right, deck building card game, and I... I know card games like trick-taking card games like hearts and canasta and spades and or poker or something like euchre that. Euchre right? or whatever, yeah. right? Or card games of uh, chance like poker mm -hmm. um, and others out there. Certainly I'm familiar with board games. But when you, t when you talk about a card game like this, let's first talk about like technically how does this work? Sure. And then secondly, I would love to know so what's the appeal yeah. 
So let's start off with the technicality. How does it work? Okay. So each player starts with a total life total of 20. Okay. What does that mean, a life total? So if you think about, um, if you think about in, in terms of gamification, mm-hmm. um, you have a, a certain amount of hit points before. A, so if a I'm playing Battleship, I've got a certain number of, you know, a certain number of ships. And once you sink all my ships, that's that would be my life points in this example. Right. Correct. Okay. So, uh, so for us, we would ha- we would start with twenty life points. Okay. Now thematically, we are what's called planeswalkers. Okay. So, like I said, this is a fantasy game, so there's a lot of fantasy elements in it. Sure. Now. In the game of Magic the Gathering, there is uh, this thing called the multiverse. And so think of kind of like Marvel's uh, infinite universes type thing, or DC's infinite universes type thing. It's kind of like that, except it's not all the same Earth or whatever. Mm. Each one is its own different dimension, its own different plane. It has its own different creatures that live there, its own different types of magics that live there. And um, it's all based around... Uh, the the what's called the color pie. Uh, so you have five different colors and then a colorless, but you have white, blue, black, red, and green. And each one has its own uh, style to it. Okay. Right? So your your white cards are, are they're going to be all about like taxation, law and order. Um, they're all like a lot of little creatures, all for one, one for all type of a, type of a thing. Uh, your black is going to be all about. It's not necessarily evil. It's more so like um, a, a good idea about it is like greed. Like you're you're trying to amass as, as much as you can, and you will. You're not opposed to hurting yourself to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you have blue, which is all about gathering knowledge and stopping other people from having knowledge. Uh, you have red, which is all about passion and aggression and energy. I love me some red. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. And um, and then you have green, which is all about nature and having um, big things that are that don't have a whole lot of flashy effects, but that's just how nature made them, mm-hmm. right? And so that's that's kind of uh, the idea of the, the in terms of like the philosophy of the game. Now. You said, what is Magic the Gathering? How, why do people care about it? Actually, right? before you do that, I have another question. Sure. So so I have a a deck, yeah. if we're talking about cards. How many cards come in a deck if I'm going to sit down to play? Sure. So um, when it was originally uh, conceived, it was 40. Okay. okay. Um, now when you play, uh, let's say you play Constructed, you're allowed to have four of any kind of card <clears throat> unless the card specifically says otherwise, except for basic lands. Basic lands, you can have any number in there. Okay, so what? So when I when I have a deck, let's just say it's forty cards for sure. the sake of this. Is it going to be all? I choose the red deck, I choose the green deck, or is it a mix of colors? Um, it, it's, and who determines my deck? Like if I sure. go to play spades, I'm handed a universal deck of four suits, fifty two cards. Sure. How does it work? So um, for Magic the Gathering, the the player base actually creates their own deck. And uh, it's instead of 40, now it's 60 cards for a constructed deck um, as your bare minimum. Um, there's a lot of math behind that on like why it's that number instead of 40 mm-hmm. anymore. Um, uh, it's all about probability and chance and, and that type of a thing. Uh, so the idea behind how this game works is there's not just 52 cards like you would have in... Uh, a, a normal deck of cards. Like right? a regular deck. If I see the Ace of Spades, there is a Ace of Spades, unless I've told the group, look, I'm declaring I'm having multiple decks in here. Right. So that's not how magic works. Magic is broken out into formats. 
now um, based on when a certain set is published. Each of those sets have their own thematics. Um, if you, like I said, it's a fantasy element. So there's actually books and stuff like that that you can, there's lore behind each of these planes and each of these sets. So you could read stories that were based on these sets. And uh, so you'll have some cards that are key moments in the story. You'll have some cards that are key characters in the story, but then you'll also have like actions that they can perform and things like that. Now, over the course of, of um, over the 27 years, something like that, that it's been around. It's wow. been, it was um, uh, originally conceived in 1993. Okay. Um, over the, that course of time, uh, there is now over 42,000 unique game pieces that you can play with. That seems like a big deck. <laughs> so you wouldn't run all of those in there, right? right. So it, it's partly determined on what format you're running. So if you're running, um, let's say, an Eternal format, you have access to each one of those cards unless they've been specifically banned because they've been deemed too powerful. So when you say format, it's kind of like... Um, well, it's, like, just it's, like a, it's like a filter. Or, yeah. Well, yeah, or it's like softball. Like there's some softball, like if you're in a... Or even basketball. We're doing a three-on-three competition we're doing nine ball and poker we're do, or um pool we're doing softball where right where you're, you're just saying this is the size of the field or it's got to be co-ed to your point it's the filters where yeah. this is you have access to every card every publish that's legal or a subset of those depending upon the tournament and the style and I, i'm presuming there's like amateur tournaments professional tournaments, yeah. things like that. Yeah. And, and that's, that's changed a little bit over the years. Um, we can get into that in a little bit here, but uh, going back to the original question. So you've got, you've got all these multiple formats, right. which act as like a filter of what cards you can use, what mm -hmm. cards are legal in, in that format. Um, each format has its own different ban list for which cards are, break those certain formats. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so like the formats I like to play a lot, are the formats of Commander, which is actually a 100-card singleton format. Mm. Um, I'm not going to break down how to play it, but okay. um, that one just happens to use 100 different cards. Each card has to be unique, except for basic lands. Okay. Um, and then you, I am also really enjoy Standard, which is their rotating format of all their new sets. So there's never more than eight sets in at one given time, and when a new set comes in, basically an old set falls off. And okay. so um, it's always got something new and fresh and interesting to, to look at. Now, um, when you go to build your deck, you take a look at what formats are there, what, what's legal. You can have four of any type of card, um, unless the card specifically says otherwise. And you try to build around a strategy that, um, that you think you know how to pilot really well and that you think you have the answers to whatever your opponent's bringing. You have no idea what they're bringing. Unless you're in a pro setting and they have all the deck lists available and things like that. Mm -hmm. if, if you're just sitting casually across the table from someone at your local game store, you have no idea what they're bringing. Mm -hmm. And so you have to kind of think of, okay, well, I know what the professional meta is. It's these certain decks. I'm bringing this deck. If I'm assuming that someone's going to be bringing in one of those pro decks um, that they didn't design but they pilot well enough, what can I build in my deck to make my strategy go off? But stop my opponents. Mm. So you have your 60-card main deck. You have a sideboard of 15 different cards. In a game, you play a, a series of best of three. So um, game one, you, you have no changes in, from your sideboard. You take your deck as is. You see how it performs. 
if you fail or uh, or, or whatnot, um, the point is awarded to whichever player. You, when you go move to game two, you can then adjust your deck from your 15-card sideboard. Your sideboard cannot have any more than 15 cards, um, and your deck cannot have any less than 60. So sideboard, I could, I'm trying to put this in, in my mind like in football analogies. So if I'm thinking about cards, I might think of them as plays. What do I think the strengths and weaknesses of my opponent is? And so I'm going to say, all right, I know they're really, really good in their secondary, so I'm not going to do any deep routes. I'm going to do short routes. I'm going to try to run like this. I know they're weak on the left, whatever, right? I'm making right. these assumptions based upon my experience with them or how I think they might play or just whatever. And I'm going to build a playbook. Yep. And I can't change my playbook, whatever plays I play. And what makes it crazier is, I'm drawing cards from a deck that are random. Yep. So I've got four or five plays from my playbook that are available to me, but I don't get to, I, I can only choose one of those five. It's just spin the wheel and it's five random ones out of the 50 in my playbook, right? right. So, so, so when you start your, when you start the game, you start with seven cards in your hand. You can mulligan too. So you, you have the opp opportunity to maybe find one of those special cards that you brought right. in that specifically hate on your opponent's deck, right? right. Um, but yeah, it's basically that. So you have your, 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 your extra plays off to the side that, you know, okay, I, after game one, I didn't do it too great. Right. But if I board in these things over here, right. I have a fighting chance. Right. And so you would swap out the cards that you noticed these didn't do well at all. Right. And you would put in the ones that you think would. Right. Okay. And so, um, and so now you go back and forth, um, kind of almost like chess, like move, counter, move, move, counter, move. And I, and if I, if I remember correctly, while there are subgroups, it feels like there's two big groups in Magic. These things that you call basic lands mm -hmm. and everything else. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Right? And so how does that work? And I don't want to get too much in the weeds yeah, yeah. here, but you've got lands, which sort of empower what you can do, and right. then the other cards, which are doing the things that land. So can you? Sure. So thematically, the um, the reason why they're used for lands is if you think back in like, you know, um, ancient witch lore or whatever. Right. They, what do they draw their power from? Tolkien lore. Right. What do, they, what, what do they draw their power from? Nature. Nature. Right. The, yeah. the mana Spiritual from nature. realm, mana right. from nature. So the, the same idea is there for magic. You draw your power from your lands. Right. Right. And so your lands are your resource base. So you can play one a turn, uh, unless again a card specifically says otherwise. You um, then when you tap it, so you basically turn it sideways to indicate that you've used its resource. Right. You get one mana of whatever color that land produces, um, and then on each one of your cards, you have what's called um, uh, converted mana cost. Now it's called a mana value um, of how much specifically does this one card cost to play? So maybe one of any color and then a specific green mm. or three of any color and a black and a white uh, uh, color. So it, it could it could be anything like that. And um, you, as long as you have the resources to be able to play that card, you can play it. Now, players can try to counter you or do whatever, but that's the basic idea of how to do it. So. The, the idea is not that is not usually to have all of just one mana cost cards. Right. Sometimes it is. But for the most part, you want to have like kind of like a bell curve. So you have some that are cheap, some are uh, a lot more that are kind of like in the three to four mana range. Right. And then uh, just a couple that are a little bit higher than that. And if you can, uh, you usually will play about a third of your deck is lands. Two thirds of your deck are other things. 
Um, and that's kind of like a, a really basic rundown of of what the 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 shape of the game would look like. Or the other things are things that are either offensive power, some combination of offensive power that attacks your opponent, sure, or defense that protects you from attacks of your opponent. Yeah. Right? So each each player, um, well, I mean, each player has access to all the all the different cards. There are several different types of cards. So you have your creatures, which are your pretty basic hobbits uh, right <laughs> sort of uh they call them kithkins in this one okay. uh at least in, in that particular plane it was the kithkin but in any case um the the uh the idea behind a creature is it has a power which is its attack power its attack value it has its toughness which is how much damage it can take per turn and um the idea is that let's say i have a a, a two two creature if I attack out, I'm not attacking a specific creature with that creature, right? I'm just attacking my player, my opponent. Now that opponent could decide, eh, my life so my uh, I'm life pretty is, strong. I'm not worried. I'll take the damage. Yeah, it's 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 a resource, right? right. Um, so then they'll take the two damage and and not trade the, their two two for my two two or anything like that. Now if they had a creature that was a three three and I was attacking him with a two two, they could decide. Well, I could block that and it would kill theirs. Or kill mine, right? right. So it's a three-three blocking my two-two, right. um, and mine would be fine. It would it would it would just have to take if it took one more damage, it would die right. that turn. Um, so that's that's like the basic idea from that, and that's one of the ways to lower somebody's life total down to zero is attacking with creatures. Mm. Um, another way of doing it is um, by uh, casting certain instants and or sorcery spells. Instant speed is <clears throat> kind of how it sounds. I can react to what you're doing or I can do it at the end of a turn or I can do it, something like that. Sorcery speed is basically anytime you play a, a basic land, you could activate a sorcery, you could cast a sorcery. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't do necessarily a sorcery in response to somebody else, but you can with an instant. Now those will have, like it, it would say something like deal three damage to somebody or deal four damage to any target or something like that. And you could use that then to either remove creatures from the board to then swing out, mm -hmm. or you could hit somebody's life total directly. You have other ones that are specifically there to, to remove creatures from the battlefield so you can get your forces in. And then you have other cards in, entirely that are not designed to reduce somebody's life total down to zero and instead to, re, to reduce their card count from 60 down to zero. Mm -hmm. And if someone tries to draw on an empty library, usually they lose the game. Mm. So there's a, there's other and there's also other win cons that you can have too. Like there's uh, some, a win con is a winning condition. Winning condition, yes. Yeah. Uh, so there there are other types of winning conditions that you can have. Um, like there there's one card called uh, I think it's called the, the Hedron Net, Net, Network or something like that. Anyways, it's a, its whole idea was if you have one in your hand, one on the battlefield, one in your graveyard, and one in exile. These are all different zones of the game of the play right. space. You win the game. And so, like, there's there's things like that that are part of the game too, um, that allow you to win the game throughout the uh, without having to do the the basic necessity of reducing somebody's life total down to zero. You know what that all convinces me of? What's that? I thought I was a pretty big nerd, but you've just trumped me. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yeah. you know, what, one of the things that surprised me uh, about the game i've we've played it a couple times i've played it with one of my daughters in college um she came home because her friends were playing it and, mm -hmm. and that's how i started yeah um 
she um, or so I was I was I just came across an article yeah. and it was by this guy. Uh, his son had asked him, would he consider playing one of two games with him? Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. And this person said to themselves, you know, I don't know very much about these games. Are these games, for lack of a better word, wholesome? Are they, um, you know, what's the genesis behind them? Are they going to introduce violence and ideas that I'm really opposed to? He's just kind of a thoughtful yeah. writer, I thought, I felt like anyway. And as I read the article, um, his comment about Magic the Gathering was he discovered that the person who invented it, this was an, this was an engineering game or a mathematical game. Mm -hmm. The thematic was introduced later to attract people, but really it it's is an math. engineering, mathematics, science game. And if you were to tell somebody that on the front end, they probably wouldn't, um, many people would not even attempt to play it because they think then that it's going to be this hard, difficult um, deal. And it's, and it's not that at all. Yeah. It, so it's, if it, the game itself is more daunting than it really is. Like, like it seems more daunting, seems than, more daunting it, yeah. than it really is. The, the whole, because people are using this, <clears throat> this whole lexicon of language that, you have no idea what they're talking about. Instant sorcery. What the heck is that? Creatures, right. power, toughness. What? Right. Exile zone. What are you talking about? Right. And it sounds like a whole nother foreign language. Right. Right. Now, when you actually sit down and play and, and it takes a couple of games, but then you get the hang of it. You're like, Oh, it's okay. pretty intuitive. It okay. sort of flows right. as I've seen it anyway. And, and it didn't used to be mm. right. Like it took 25 years to make it feel you're right like that. You know what I mean? But, it's been carefully crafted over the years, and but you're right. It, it was. It's absolutely a math game. It's all about probability. It's all about um, bell curve analysis. It's all about uh, uh, resource distribution. Um, it, I mean, there's it's, there's even elements of poker in there where it's like bluffing your opponent. Mm. You know, you're trying to also um, what somebody starts playing a deck and you and you know what is in there, you can sort of. Uh, guess what they have in that deck as well, uh, to, um, based on the format you're playing, and so then you can you can do run probabilities in your head. Well, what are, what are the, what's the probability of them having this card in their hand? Mm -hmm. um, and and y if you ever uh, watch me play like online or anything like that, um, which which only when I have insomnia, <laughs> only when you have oh yeah, that's, that's a good reason. Um, I'll put you to sleep. But no, the uh, 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 what's great about it is. I will make plays and, and and I'll speak out loud so everyone can hear. All right, I'm going to play this. Okay, they're probably going to react with this card, right? And sure enough, they'll react with that card. And right. it's all it's all at this point for me, it's intuitive. Like I just know what card they're going to have, right? right? But um, yeah, I have to make my plays, my ideas, uh, uh, my strategy, and I have to take into consideration. I've seen them have this many of this card the probability of having it in their hand is not very high. They've only got two cards in their hand at this time. I think I am safe of bringing this card out. They still could respond with this other thing. Right. Right. And so like you're having to do all this in your head as you're trying to elevate yourself to the game. But the big part about it is the math behind the bell curve, the mana distribution, the, the resource distribution, and um, the probability of you drawing the cards that you need. Why do you? Th how many people are playing this game? 
Um, so it has grown quite a bit. Uh, when it first started, it was maybe 500,000, right? Um, it wasn't very many. It's now like 33 million, I think, worldwide. 33 million active, active players. players. Um, after you've just walked through all that if description, if you were to, to a lot of people, especially people uh, with a little bit of ADD, it feels like, oh, do I really want it? That's a lot. It feels yeah. like it's involved. I've got to learn all this, the whole lexicon and all these other things, and yet people are joining every day at the one of the board game shops that I play at, I don't know, a couple times a month, Sunday afternoon, uh, they will have some form of a magic tournament usually. And the place is packed. Yeah, hundreds of people in this little board game shop in Atlanta, Georgia. And they range from 8, 10 years old to 70 plus yeah. years old. Uh, every color, every socioeconomic uh you know, genders represented, fully engaged. Any creed? Any yeah. creed, you know, and so it's really interesting to see these folks. So what's the appeal? Yeah, so it's kind of right there in the name. Magic, the gathering. Mm. So it's a, it's a, there's a huge social element to it. Okay, so you get to you get to play with your friends, you get to meet new people, you get to um, have fun, and 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 you know you, you can have people over, you can make it a party, you can you can play this game. It's kind of like a board board game, right? I had a very similar gaming experience to you. You used to start out with computer games. I I was really into computer games. Yeah. You happen to get into board gaming, yeah, um, real gaming, <laughs> sure. Uh, and then when I got uh, when I got. Um, out of college, I was uh, with with one of my good friends, Jeremy. You know him, mm -hmm. um, and we uh, uh, he he showed me this game. He he sat me down, taught me how to play it, and my I I, I didn't think I was going to like this game as much as I ended up liking it. And I'm a guy that loves puzzles, and magic is just like one giant puzzle to me. And it's it just my my brain just fired on all cylinders and. I um I would spend any of my waking time I wouldn't play I wouldn't play video games anymore. Instead, I was reading cards, trying to like how does this interact with this thing? Oh wow, because there's so many, there's mm. so many options, and and uh, so part of the appeal is the puzzle making aspect of it. Part of the appeal is is developing a strategy, the strategy building. Part of the appeal is the social gathering and and uh, communication. Sometimes, sometimes part of the appeal is just the cost of the cards, right? Some people like to have the expensive stuff and it's kind of fun to bling out your decks and things like that. Some people like it because of the stories and the lore. Some people like it because they like elves and I get to build an elf deck, right? right. Like that, that's the kind of thing that, that it, there's so many different pieces to it that it's not just one thing that appeals to one, to, to everybody. It's, a little bit of everything in this game appeals to a lot of different people, and some people take many different aspects. Right? You mentioned the cost of the cards. So, is this a game like when you said that it reminded me of baseball cards? Mm -hmm. Like baseball cards, you know, just some rookie that nobody's heard of their baseball card. If people even do on baseball cards anymore, is a buck or whatever it is, very inexpensive. But you got an original rookie, Nolan Ryan or a Ty Cobb or whatever. Some of these cards can be worth tens of thousands of dollars um is this a game like that where there's a collectible aspect to cards yeah so um yes there really is and now some of the newer cards they may range from <clears throat> 25 cents if that 
to upwards of maybe $100 or $200 per card. Why would they have a $100 magic card? Isn't that like a barrier to entry for? Yeah, so the, the original, it, trust me, this is, a, this is a hill I will die on um, uh, at, at any point. The, the original concept of the game was to have no card cost more than $20. That was the the original idea behind uh, when Richard Garfield made it. Right. No card should cost more than twenty dollars. Well, over the course of time, there was um, issues with overprinting cards and people losing any sort of value that was in them and things like that. The player base got really upset, and um, they uh, they created what's called a reserve list. Now, this doesn't the reserve list doesn't exactly matter too much with the new cards that are printed. It's more about the older cards. It's a list of cards that they promise to never print again. So you'll have uh, some cards um, like the Power Nine, which is the nine most powerful cards ever printed. Um, and uh, some of those are worth thousands of dollars. In fact, the Black Lotus, if you have an Alpha Black Lotus, even if it's not in mint condition, it could be used, it could be scuffed on the back, it could be whatever, um, could run upwards of like $120,000 per card mm -hmm. because of the supply. The supply is so low. In fact, there are some people who will collect these and they'll even take them out and be like, look, you see this card? They'll rip it. Why would they destroy a, a, a purposefully a, uh, a a card that is worth a lot of money? Because it just made their other cards worth that much more because the supply is so much lower. Whereas, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, see this tanker full of oil? I'm going to sink it so that the oil in my gas stations is now that much more expensive. I know it's, it's ridiculous, but it, it, the, the economy of the, of those older cards are so rare that something like that could affect the price of the other cards, um, that are, that are, that are in rotation now. Mm. Um, so like I said, the black Lotus, $120,000 per card, mm. um, specifically if, if it's meant, but if it's, if it's not meant, you still make it. 50 grand for it if it's alpha if it's beta it starts going down um if it's beta it's, it's maybe like 10 grand these people have lost their minds i know well and if you think about it well why would a new card be a hundred bucks so it would just depend on the on one are pros playing it are the professionals that are that are playing the pro tournaments are they playing the card so a yeah. new deck gets released so a pack gets released yeah, it's so a set. It will comes to a game store. Yeah, so so a set will have about three hundred and sixty-five cards in it. Okay, so you don't even know what. So I just show up at a game store. Yeah, and I buy this package or some series of packages, right? I don't know what's in there. I just buy yeah. them. They're randomly collected. Now that's a pretty uniform cost, isn't it? It's like a hundred bucks for one of those or something like that yeah, for so, a set. So you could buy, um, you could you could buy a, a box of magic cards. It's like a display case of right. magic cards, right? Um, uh, which will have uh, usually, th I think, 36 packs of cards, Okay. Uh, typically. Some some run less if they're a more premium set or whatever. 36 packs. Packs of, of cards. And how many cards are in a pack? Uh, typically 15. Okay. Sometimes there's a 16th slid in there um, okay. for extra value, okay. but it's usually 15. Okay. Um, there's going to be uh, a single rare, three uncommons, and, a, uh, and the rare could be a mythic rare as well, which is like even more rare. Right. Uh, and then you'll have the recipe commons. And so the idea behind that is they're usually made for drafting. So you'll get a, a group of people together, uh, usually six to eight players. You'll each have three packs. You'll open one pack, draw a card, pass the pack around, and you try to build a deck out of all of the cards And so uh, that, you, that you've drafted. Um, and so that's, 
that's the uh, the idea of, of why it's set up the way it is currently um, with those draft packs. They also have other packs that have are called set boosters that are a little bit more thematic and they don't necessarily follow that same paradigm. Um, you also have the collector's boosters, which have which cost way more. Uh, a normal pack is like maybe four to five dollars, depending on where you buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a collector pack is like thirty bucks, but um, and it and it has I think 12, 12 cards in it. But they're going to have more rares and mythic rares and fancy looks and things like so that. So until you open the pack, I guess what I'm getting at is that hundred dollar card we were mentioning earlier. That's after I I buy a pack, whatever it is. I open it. I evaluate what's in there. Yeah. And then I can choose to put those individually up for sale. And I might have gotten lucky. I got the Mac, a Mac Daddy card. Right. And I, that individual card, for whatever reason, pros are playing it. It's, you know, whatever. There's a, there's a run on that particular type. I put that one up for a lot of money. It may hold its value. It may lose its value. Yeah. But when you first get it, it's not – as long as it's in a sealed pack – and it's anonymous. It's not a hundred bucks, right? Uh, if you just if you just get the pack, it's five bucks. Okay. Right? If you try to buy the the card in the secondary market, it'll be worth whatever the market values the card. Okay. At, which will which is determinate upon who's playing it, what's the rarity of the card, um, things like that. Right. So, um, I mean, there there have been times when commons, commons, the ones that you will find the most often in packs, run five bucks. It, when they should be pennies, right. you know, so it just depends on what the card is and things like that. Right. So, um, but you're right. So there's an element of like a loot box or a loot crate kind of an idea. Um, a lot of people kind of attribute it as like gambling, but it's not. It's what? Not, I know, it, but it's it's not quite because they, they have to be able to prove that you're going to get um, like uh, within a reasonable percentage your money back if you buy an X amount of packs or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, which they can prove. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, they, it's not technically gambling, but it's kind of a gambling aspect. And it definitely fires your serotonin, your dopamine levels of like, oh, what am I going to get when I crack this pack, right? Um, I, I mean, there's a reason why they call it cardboard crack. And it's because <laughs> it's because it's 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 exciting. It's exhilarating. When right. you, you open it up, you get the you, you, you have the tactile feel of the card. Uh, you get the smell of the fresh ink you, 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 uh, as you look through it. Um, you get to see all the cool art that the artists that they've commissioned to make for it. You can see the cool effects that the card has. And then, boom, you've got, like you said, the Mac Daddy of the card. Oh, man, yes. I just I just made, if I sell this card, I just made 10 times what I paid for this pack. Right. Well, then you sell the card, and, how many, and then you go and you buy 10 more packs. Right. right? So that's the, like, that's the idea behind uh, uh, so, utilizing those for, like, the, the, in the economy. And so these sets become... If you've been playing this game for twenty years, you can have a pretty valuable, yeah. Set. Um, I mean, I've got. I, Remember, I, your wife may listen. She to may this listen podcast, to this. Yeah. So. Um, oh, well, I've I've mentioned it to her before, but uh, uh, I mean, I I probably own north of ten grand worth of magic cards. I didn't spend that much on them, right? But that's what their value ended up being running at. You think if you sit on that for another decade, that there will still be a marketplace for it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it's been around for over two, right? Yeah, Almost three. So the the um, now as as you sit on these cards, uh, they'll you know it's all about the reprint. So if if they don't reprint the card in ten years, the value is going to go up. Mm. If they constantly reprint the card, the value is going to stay low. Mm-hmm. And I I'm okay. 
uh, as a collector, I'm okay with cards going up and down in price, right? Like I, I want them to be low personally as a player, mm-hmm. as a collector, I want them to be high. Cause then that means that they're worth more. Right. right? So, um, uh, it's like a fine balance between between them, and sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. Um, but that's, but th- there is intrinsic value to the cards, um, uh, and there's a monetary value set to them based on whatever the secondary market dictates. So this show is about, besides whatever the heck I'm interested in at the moment, te- technology, the intersection of yeah. technology and helping human beings flourish. And I'm I'm wondering how do you imagine tech because this sounds like a very analog i'm holding you know a a playing card size thing i've got the experience of tearing open the foil and it's um you know i'm sitting across from another human being or some number of human beings i'm usually many times in a big tournament with other people and so uh but nothing nothing i don't know that very many things say nothing can avoid completely the impact of technology sure H- how is it tech coming into the world of magic uh, yeah. magic the so, gathering so technology plays actually a very significant role in magic um and mm-hmm. I, again i i don't work for watsi but who's watsi uh, watsi's wizards of the coast they're the ones that make magic the gathering they pu- publish it yeah Do they, what other games are they famous for um they own uh, uh dungeons and dragons okay um and they own another one i, I can't remember what it is it's like Neverwinter or something like that yeah um, <laughs> Yeah. So Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering, why name anything else? I know, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and currently Wizards of the Coast is, is is a subsidiary of Hasbro. So, so, um, they, they were bought out by Hasbro and, um, uh, Hasbro said that's one of their biggest profit centers right now. So, um, it's pretty cool for them, but how does, how does, besides the, the normal business runnings with technology, right? Like accounting and stuff like that, needing to, to, do it all digitally and not like anything. What are some of the things that uh, people need to know about how tech works in magic? Well, I'm not even just talking about the, um, the, the normal business stuff. You also have like the design elements of it. Mm-hmm. All of that's done digitally now. Mm. Um, maybe sometimes it used to be done uh more physically or something like that. It's all done digitally on Photoshop and Illustrator and that kind of a thing. So there's a technology element there. But there's also a technology element on uh, uh, actually playing the game. So some people don't have a local game store. Some people don't uh, live near people who want to play the game. Some people don't have friends that like playing Magic the Gathering. We call those re- regular people. Yeah, I know. And, but they want, but they want to, uh, but they want to have the experience of playing Magic. Right. Well, Wizards of the Coast actually developed two different platforms. Uh, one is an older one that uh, they're still maintaining, and then another one's a new, a new platform. Uh, one's called Magic the Gathering Online, mm-hmm. uh, MTGO, and the other one's Magic Arena. Mm. Arena is very standard focus. Um, so it's all about rotating sets and things like that. It has a couple of other elements in there that make it unique to ma- uh, to Magic the Gathering Online. Um, it they're producing digital cards in there mm-hmm. um, that have no paper printing, and there's no way you could even play it in paper if you wanted to. Mm. It's all utilizing the idea of it being a digital game. Okay, Magic the Gathering Online is m- more based around. Um, the actual like gameplay and things like that. The UI is not that great, but all the rules are pro- are are definitely programmed into it. 
and uh, but you can play any format there. Mm. And so you have a you have a connection there between, uh, let's say, me playing on, on Magic the Gathering Online or, or Arena, and then somebody playing in Hong Kong, right, right, or or, or Tokyo or whatever. Right. Uh, boom, instant connection. You can play that game, and because they can read it in their own language, you can read it in your own language. There's no language barrier, mm. and so you can actually get to sit down and play a game with them. Well, shoot, then you could almost play somebody from like Tulsa if there's I, no language barrier. I know, right? Like, geez, there's people in Tulsa. Just so. Symbols, um, but no, the uh, uh, so there, there's a huge element there in technology, um, and not only that, but there's also technology in, uh, let's say, web development. So um, you got to find a way to figure out what all the cards are, mm-hmm. right? So now you've got like databases that have all the types of cards, all the rules that were written for those specific cards, right? all those types of things. Have you ever played online poker? Uh, no, but I've watched people play it. So. Okay, well, oh, oh uh, that's how we're answering. Yeah, me either, because <laughs> um, that would be wrong. But presuming you did, they make tools that allow you to evaluate in real time your hand, the cards that are in your hand, and the heart, the cards that you can see on the board, and they give you probability. They give you um, they give you a variety of data. And if that player has been seen by the app or the tool before, it can give you some insight into the trends of this player, um, things like that. Um, and and it helps to inform you. And it's real time. It can be on your phone. It can be on your tablet. I don't think you can do it live at a you know Vegas casino or something. But online, there the tools are legal, as far as I know. Uh, do they have any tools like that for what you guys are doing? Um, there probably is. Um, for what I do, n- there's not really a tool that will say what my percentage of, of win would be. Or right? who or your I, opponent is, what you right. can expect from their deck. or Right. So so I don't have that. However, you do have um, – uh, so when they do like one of their tournaments or something like that, mm-hmm. you have commentators, right? It's just like any other – you know, eSport or anything like that, you'll have somebody talking about it. And for those types of things, you're going to have uh, one, then they're, they're going to be very knowledgeable about what the cards are and what they do. Um, they probably have some sort of a tool that will help them be like, okay, they, you know, they have a 55% chance of drawing this one card and they need this card to win. Can they, can they make that happen? Whatever the, you know, right. whatever it's going to be. So they have, they, they probably have tools like that that they could maybe, maybe use. For my purposes, I don't, I don't have anything like that. However, uh, some other things that that um, you can have in, in terms of technology and how it affects the the player base. Um, tournaments happen all the time, whether it be in paper or whether it be digitally online or anything like that. The the and there's data there about what decks win against what what other decks, right? And what are those decks running? What's the most popular cards? All that kind of thing. There's data there. And when you look at at how certain decks perform and things like that, that's actually one of the ways that WotC uses technology to actually affect their game. Specifically for like Magic Online and Magic Arena and things like that where they can get huge amounts of data very quickly because there's so many players that are playing it and it's all digital. Mm -hmm. And so it's all just digitally logged. So they can see, oh... We have 70% of the game board or the game player base running this one specific card. Mm. That card may need, be, may need to get banned, right? It's it's why it, why would it need to be banned? So they'll, they'll they don't do, like a popular card to be played. Um, the 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 problem is is uh, they'll look at a, a several different things. One, 
how does it affect the deck? Why are people, why are so many people running that one specific card? And if it, if it's like a land or something like that, they probably won't be in that. But if it's say there is a card called, um, uh, well, hold on. If I'm playing poker. Sure. And the poker gods, the casino is watching saying, these people are always playing these aces. We need to get rid of those. They're too overpowered. Well, you're tr- as long as you have an equal opportunity to get that card or cards, why? And, and so, you know, people can defend against yeah. it or use it to attack or whatever. That doesn't make sense to me on why you would so again want to remove it from play. Yeah, but there, there, there's a few reasons. And uh, one Communists. of the <laughs> that, that may be one of them, but no, uh, the, one of the main reasons is um, they like to see deck diversity. Uh, so they, because if you're if you're playing the same deck over and over and over again, and your opponents are the exact same deck over and over and over again, the game gets really boring really fast. But for who? The people that are playing it, it gets really boring really fast. Just, just it really does. And so, and, and if they're trying to also make this an esport where it's it's fun for people to watch, yeah. If you know seventy percent of the game of the player base that in this particular tournament is playing the exact same deck. It's not fun to watch because it, it, you you know what's going to happen, right? This one deck's going to win. There's not there's not any yeah. But think about League of Legends or Dota or any of the other online games or um, you know anything like that where you know heck NASCAR they're going to go left three right. or four times this lap and then they're going to do it that lap and yet they still get hundreds of thousands of people to show up or tune in or whatever and league of legends you don't well sure but but uh, let's take nascar for example yeah so but don't you think that nascar also has a rules committee that says that shows like hey uh this person brought in this brand new type of engine that we've never had in here before and yeah 70 percent of the teams are using the engine and the other teams have access to it but choose not to because they want to use they have a different strategy. They have a fuel sure. mileage strategy as opposed to a power ratio strategy or whatever, right? They don't. They they ban things that are put people at a competitive advantage or disadvantage, or that are easily exploited or that isn't accessible to everybody. And and that's true. I think of yeah. most sport. But I'm imagining the baseball commissioner saying eighty percent of the people out there are playing with a Wilson glove. We got to get rid of that glove because that's not exciting enough. Yeah, it, it, it's the part of the problem is it's it's just a completely different beast of game. Okay, yeah. I mean, the, or, or, or trying to compare apples to oranges at, at this point. With Ooh, these I other am hungry with, the, with these other properties. But with magic, event, you're just saying that for whatever reason, if they see, look, this. They have the opportunity to say, based upon whatever their evaluation is, these cards are cards for some, not mystery criteria, but some well-established, well-published criteria. We feel like this is a uh, not beneficial to the overall health of the game. Exactly. So we're going to remove it from play for everybody. Well, do you get your money back if you bought that card? Uh, that that's part of the issue, right? So there's there's a lot of. I mean, I spent a hundred bucks on yeah. this card that all the pros are playing with, and they're kicking butt with it. And now you're telling me, yep. I cannot play it in a sanctioned game. That seems. Trust, trust me, I, I am not for banning cards. Yeah, I, I, and that's that is one of the reasons for it. Um, sure, can I absorb absorb the cost of buying you know four hundred dollars for four cards, and then they get banned immediately? 
Probably. Do I want to? No. Right. But what about the people who can't afford that? That's a completely like we. we, we right. Yeah, it's a completely different topic that I can like go on and on about. But well, let me for, just for, for me, it's 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 that is a problem in Magic. If they can't, if they don't balance their game properly, then people lose money. And right. it's not just Magic that loses money; it's the player base that bought the cards that right. loses the money. Well, too. they've been doing this for twenty five years, so I'm I can't believe that it is so common as to cause you know probably happens enough that it irritates people but not that they're burning the place down um they they did change their design philosophy recently which has caused for more recent standard bannings um than in the past Mm -hmm. um i think over the course of the past five years they've probably banned 18 cards something like that which is a lot i mean that but before it was like 15 years maybe one card banned you know what i mean so like there is there's definitely been a change to try to make more pushed cards uh, pushed meaning, you know, that like they want you to play this card because it's so powerful type of a thing. Right. Um, a sought after card. So, you know, if they, if then, but they have to look at the data to see, is this card too much? Is it overall for the health of the game? Is it worth leaving in or is it worth taking out? And um, sometimes they get, they get the call right of like, yeah, that card was just, it, it was designed poorly in it and it broke the game. Right. Um, other times it's like, it, it it's a fun card. Why are you taking it out? You know. Right. So, but the biggest the biggest problem, yes, is that if 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 it does get banned, people lose money. Can people um, make their own cards? So can, you, you, in D anD D, you can make homebrew. You sure. can do your own stuff. Do they let you do something like that? So you, you can't make a sanctioned magic card unless you work for Watsy. However, that doesn't mean you can't. There, there's designers out there that you could go on. Design your own card, find your own card image. It puts it in a fr- in, in its own like magic frame and all that kind of stuff. And you, there's nothing saying you can't print that out, put it into a card sleeve next to an actual magic card, and right. play with the card. It, it's just magic has a casual element to it, and that's one of the casual parts of it. You just say, "Hey, I got this custom card. Mind if I try it out? Go for it." You right. know, like sure, I love it. All right, well, we've just got a few minutes here. Where two, two quick th- and they're sort of the same thing. One. Where's this thing going? And there, you know, none of these live in a vacuum. Other, you know, the greatest form of flattery is imitation, right? And so who's coming alongside a game like Magic? And where do you think this is, the next decade of this looks like? Sure. Um, so I think Magic is really well positioned right now to be very successful over the over the course of the years. The, um, the player race is very large you have a lot of older entrenched players that will go and buy magic property because it's magic right Mm -hmm. and um they can play off the nostalgia of those players as well but you also have a bunch of new players that just started within the last five years or so mainly because the advent of of arena and and things like that of getting a new people into playing the game Mm -hmm. and so can you make any money playing this uh you can yeah um i know online gaming some of these people make Hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions yeah. of dollars, but hundreds so, of thousands of dollars a year. So be, being a magic streamer, you probably won't make that much. Um, but if you're a professional magic player in a prof- in the yeah. professional leagues, they they have. Um, if you were to if you were to play in, um, uh, they call them magic fests now. They used to be GPS or grand prix. Um, if you were to play in a grand prix, um, there would be like a fifteen thousand dollar prize pool, mm. you know, or or a first prize would be. So it's ten, not like winning grand. a Dota championship where you make your team makes seven million dollars. If, if you something. if you play in the pro tour, um, yeah. in the pro tour, it's a uh, 
the price pool is a lot larger. So right. you, you can make a hundred grand or something like that. Right. Now, oftentimes when you go to a pro tour, there's there might be a team element there. So you would split that money across other players. Sure. But if you're playing if you're playing Magic professionally and you're constantly getting within the top, you know, uh, top five or eight or whatever, right. you're going to get price pool money, and um, some people can live off that. Right. Yeah. Well. Um, now, uh, your other question is like, where's this game going? Right. Right. So. Um, Where's this game going? Um, Magic, like I said, is very strategically positioned. It can do very, very well. Uh, it needs to continue to um, uh, take a look at the the cards and, and how they interact with each other and things like that. The, the, the play design needs to be very on point. Because um, if people start thinking that the, the play design is failing, they'll, they'll lose um, confidence in the game itself and then they may stop playing it. The game also has to stay interesting. Now, how does that work in a in a card game that's finite, right? There's only so many things you can do with cards. Well, how they do that is they add in uh, additional elements. Maybe they'll add in a new zone. They'll add in a new type of counter. They'll add in, um, who knows, maybe in 10 years they'll start adding in figurines that you have to start in- incorporating. I have no idea. But... Right. It, it, I mean, yeah, I have no idea. But it's th- nerdy enough. I don't need to show up with my little pewter, uh, you know, Gandalf I know, I know. or so, Warren Moon or something. So there's there's a lot there's a, a lot of things that they can do um, to to make the game feel interesting and new and unique while using similar elements from older cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, in order to do that, they have to add new things um, and and, and uh, whether it be the new zones, like I said, going down mm-hmm. that route. Now, competitors, you have uh, I mentioned before, Hearthstone mm-hmm. is a is a huge competitor to Magic right now. Uh, in fact, they're they're the ones that are currently battling it out, really. Um, but then you have you have new card games like Flesh and Blood, uh, or um, there's another one that's um, it was all about like a technology based type of Magic the Gathering kind of kind of game. Uh, Richard Garfield was contracted by Steam to try to make, or Valve, uh, to try to make um, a competitor to Magic the Gathering uh, called Artifact. Uh, it failed miserably, unfortunately. It looked kind of cool. Is but he part of Wizards of the Coast still? No. He, he, he sold off long ago. Yeah, he sold off long ago, uh, living a fat and happy life. Uh, they sometimes bring him on if they have if they have a very special set that they want to do right. and they need new ideas. They'll, they may contract him to come in to, to help Right. Freshen it up a little bit, um, but uh, he's no longer part of Wizards of the Coast. They have other designers, lots of team teams based around it, and they and they build these sets two and a half years before they're printed. Sets, you mean set of cards, right? Yeah. So that you're 365 cards per set or whatever. Right. They start designing that two and a half years before it ever goes to print. So yeah. they have a long time to try to make these cards good and, and things like that. Well, we got to wrap up here in a minute, but I'm just curious how. You know, they've been doing this for 26 years, other than changing the color or ch- saying that it's from, you know, TikToks from the blue planet instead of wigwams from the red planet. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's it's like somebody said to me, it's a little irreverent because it's a corporate podcast. Like, why do we need to make any more pornographic films? Every combination, shape, color, whatever is, you know, to our... I think detriment psychologically is out there. We don't need to make any. And yet we've never made more, you know, people are making them left and right. So what is it? um, 
Uh, why make more other than reprinting what you've already got or just changing those basic elements? What new can you create from a new deck? So uh, there's there's two there's two different answers for you. Okay, I'd like the truth. That'd be great. Yeah, well, they're both the truth. Okay, why should Wizards of the Coast print more Magic cards? They're a company. They want to make money. Sure, that's. That's the real reason. Well, I know, right? I know that, and, but and, I mean but, materially, what's different, right? Um, for the the other side is the players. Mm -hmm. If you want to keep the players engaged, a lot of them like new, right. and so you need to keep things fresh. Make you know, make some make some changes to cards, and once you design cool cards, and and you, you maybe you have what's called power creep. The cards get more efficient. They get. Um, they get a little bit more powerful. Maybe there's an extra line of text to something. Mm. Um, it changes up the game and it and it makes people feel like it's fresh and new and exciting. Mm. So those are the, like the, the two elements on why the game is uh, is going to keep continuing. One, because Watsy wants to make money, right. and two, because the player base will pay the money for the new exciting cards. Right. You know? So. Do I have any issue with them doing that? Not at all. They're a company, right? Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's it's. I think I think that the game of Magic, um, so so long as they uh, stay true to the game, don't try to push it too hard, and um, uh, have have fun in design and try new things. Uh, I think that the game will stay around for another twenty five years at least. So if people want to learn more about this, you do your own show, your own tutorial, you guys stream regularly, you teach the basics of the game and more about it. Yeah. Where can they find out about you at? Sure. So if you guys want to uh, learn more about uh, about me and my team, uh, you can go to youtube.com slash land say go. We, we have a lot of content out there. If you want to follow us on our almost nightly stream, uh, we start at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time uh, around then, depending on the streamer. Um, every day except for Sunday, typically. And uh, you can find that over at twitch.tv slash land say go. Um, so L-A-N-D-S-A-Y-G-O. Uh, links will be in the description if, if you guys are interested. But yeah, we'll, we'll go through. If you're new to the game, great, welcome. Uh, we'll go through. We'll talk about like, our thought process on while we're playing these cards. We're happy to answer any questions from newcomers. Like, well, what is this game? How does it work? That kind of thing. We'll definitely run through it as we're playing. So um, we'd love to have you have you uh, come hang out. All right. Well, man, thanks for uh, coming on the show. And the best part about this is when we're done, you've got to go edit it all. I so. know. <laughs> <laughs> I dig that. Derek, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. All right. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, and comment. Make sure you share this with any of the gamers in your life that are wanting to learn more about Magic the Gathering. We'll see you next time on the QTS Experience. Take care, everybody.